Welcome to the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant Show. My name is Rebecca Whitman, and I'm a success mentor. I believe there are seven pillars of success. Your spiritual life, your physical fitness, your emotional, romantic, mental, social, and finally, your financial life. When you get all seven areas in alignment, you are balanced, beautiful, and abundant. I learned this the hard way. I've always made money. Unfortunately, I spent so much time making money that I never had time for the rest of my life. So, despite not having financial worries, I was never happy. I wanted romance, but I didn't have time to date. I wanted to be in great shape, but I couldn't find a moment to go to the gym. I wanted a more spiritual life, but I didn't meditate. That also takes time. I wanted to read great books and fill my mind with deep thoughts, but I never made the time. I wanted a great social life, not just going to work-related events. Emotionally, I was a wreck because my life was totally out of balance. Today, I earn more money than I ever have in my life, and I work only part-time. I have the relationship of my dreams. I'm in the best physical shape of my life. I'm spiritually grounded. I feel fulfilled mentally, socially, and emotionally. My life is in perfect alignment. This podcast will help you discover where your life is out of balance. My mission is to support you in achieving work-life balance so that you can have more fun and freedom in life. On my show, you will get to learn from experts in all seven areas of abundance. My guests have achieved tremendous success in their zone of genius. Are you ready to go to a level 10 in all seven areas of life? You got this. All right, it's Brianne Davis. Welcome to the Balanced Beautiful Abundant Show. Hey, Rebecca. Balanced Beautiful Abundant. I'm here. That's right. I'm so happy to see you. And I just had so much fun being in your summit, which is the background, uh, Unleash Your Creative Beast. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to keep the conversation going. So it was one of the best conversations I've ever had, either taped or live. And I'm like, I want to talk to Brion some more. Let's get him on the Balanced Beautiful Abundance Show. There's so much we can learn from you here. So we're so excited. Let me give my audience a short introduction of you. So Brion is an actor, director, speaker, and transformational mentor. He's best known for a leading role in the Oscar-nominated feature from Columbia, as in I was just there yesterday, Columbia. I love the synchronicity of this. Embrace of the Serpent, which you can find on Amazon and Hulu, and this was nominated for Best Foreign Language Film. The film has also won awards at both the Sundance and the Cannes Film Festival. His career landed him on stages all over the world where he inspires people to take bold, committed action toward their goals and dreams. So we're just going to go right into it. How did you get into acting? What's your background story? Um, It began with me playing the role of Tom Sawyer in Huckleberry Finn at the Paris Community Theater in Paris, Texas. And there was a moment where... I don't know what happened. Either my other co-star lost their line or I lost my line. I was like nine or 10 years old. And 
everything went silent. We stared at each other and the whole audience started laughing and I turned and freeze frame and I'm like, ah, I don't know what to do. Looked at the audience, they started laughing more. And then I turned around and I started painting the fence or whatever I was doing. And uh, in that moment, I acknowledged that I had the power to move an audience, um, to move people through the art of storytelling. And that's just been my uh, MO ever since. And that's where you got bitten by the acting bug. Yeah. On that stage and that yeah. huge, what they call pregnant pause, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> stage fright. Ah, forgot my line. I've, I've forgotten my line a few times. And in high school, I forgot my line in the fall production. Mid-sentence and I just froze. And I whispered to my co-star, oh shit. That's what I said. <laughs> And they started laughing. They're like, that whole thing was frozen. And I, and I knew that the audience heard me say that. <laughs> so that was living in truth all the time, all the time. Living in that authenticity and truth in scene work, in your life, um, expressing your uh, emotions and feelings, uh, having no shame around it, and just saying this is this is who I am and I'm willing to grow and stretch past it. Um, but yeah, letting letting go of the shame and guilt about like I forgot my line. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. What's the worst thing that can happen, right? Are you gonna be struck by lightning from the you forgot your line gods and like removed from the stage? Like you forgot your line. So I know you're an acting coach too. What do you tell your students about what to do when they forget their line? I am of the mind that if you have a clear objection, and this is a good parallel because this is what I do. I take scene study, character development, human behavior, and I parallel it to your life. If you know for your character that you, you know what your character wants and there's a specific need, you have an expectation that is positive moving into that scene Let's say the line doesn't come to you, but you know what you want. You've done the rehearsal, all the research practice. You know how the character is going to respond in the moment to get what they want. So and it's so okay to improvise. It might be a moment of improv improvisation. It might be a collective, uh, a unification of, a, of the cast uh, collective that goes, okay, I can support you out of this. Because, right, it's an energetic t team of people moving for the higher good of telling the story. So in your life, if I have a clear idea of what I want, then I can't get distracted. I can't uh, involve myself with people that, that don't support that vision. And if I forget my line in life, then all I have to do is remind myself, what do I want? Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I teach, what do you want? How, how do you feel and what changes are needed if necessary to get what you want? So it's like a constant check-in. It is like being an actor. What do I want? How do I feel? And what action do I need to take to get what I want? Acting and life, they're very parallel. It's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> amazing. So what was your big break in L.A.? You, you came here and how did you get your first part or your first agent and go from not working to working actor? Um, I consider myself, and this is for all the actors out there, or anybody that's, that's wanting to, to create something, I 
considered myself a professional actor when I was living in New York the first time and I was studying and I was auditioning for some off-Broadway plays and stuff like that. Um, I considered myself a professional actor then because I was doing the job. I was doing the work and I was proud of it. The, where I gained trust, understood trust in the performing arts and myself as woven into the fabric of whatever medium I'm, I'm telling a story was the one man show I did called a noble exile. And I played 14 characters inspired by the writings of Tennessee Williams. Whoa. So the three main characters are myself, Tennessee Williams and Valentine Xavier from Orpheus descending. And all these characters come in to get me through these moments in my life that are, that were happening. My dad, uh, with cancer, uh, a very close person in my life, uh, attempting suicide. And I was living, these characters were helping me through that process. And so I created a memoir uh, as a one-man show um, inspired by them. And opening night was a production uh, to raise funds for my dad because they, they were losing their home uh, because he was sick. And I told my dad six months before, dad, I'm doing this show for you. It was one of those things where I had to like grab hold of his collar and force myself up to look at him because I was just going to lose it. And I said, dad, I'm doing this show for you. You have to make it. Did he make it? Yeah. Ooh, so, he's still alive to this day? I'm sorry? Is he still alive? No, he passed away. He actually passed away the following <clears throat> spring. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. But you did a show to raise funds for his medical care? Yeah. So this is how it went down. My producing partner and the director of the show, Anthony Gilardi at Anthony Gilardi Acting Studio. Um, I teach one class there uh, every week. <clears throat> great coach. Great uh, specifically for actors. Um, he grabbed hold of the concept, grabbed hold of the idea and said, I'm going to do this because I was in vision and I knew what I wanted. And suddenly I was inspiring others to step up to the plate. And next thing you know, I have a lighting designer, a set designer, all of these things um, at a table with my script and their notes all over it. Wow. You know, and, and I was, that was, the first thing that I did that was the scariest because it was something I wrote, I was on stage the entire time by myself. Um, and opening night was, was 120 of my peers. This was just wow. the opening night of an eight week run. Mm. And in the audience was Dom DeLuise. Wow. Yeah. Um, uh, the Dom DeLuise family. So Carol and Michael and, and uh, all, all those guys were there. Peers in my life, Renee Taylor. I don't know if you know Renee Taylor and Joe Bologna. They, um, they hosted it. Wow. Was this in New York City? No, this was here at uh, wow. Theater 68. Ronnie Marmo's Theater 68 um, uh, was a co-producer of the show. And it ran for about six to eight weeks. Um, but that night was audience standing room only incredible. I was in the wings going, I've never performed this thing in front of anyone before. My cousin was there. Um, people came up to me afterwards and said, thank you for doing this. I'll never do that again <laughs> to myself. You know what I mean? Like you that held a mirror up to my life. But that launched you. 
So you yeah. have to take like the most brave action ever of your life and really put yourself out there for hours and hours and hours of rehearsal and performing and like, wow, look what you did to get your break. So what, what came from that play? So I can pretty much sense that the, the conception of the play, I can look back and I can string a line of, of all the things that happened since. Um, I got a, one of my first big films uh, was uh, Rest Stop 2. I played the killer in Rest Stop 2. Um, and that happened because of my work with Valentine Xavier, hitchhiker, uh, Southern, you know, charming, you know, the, the character development work that I did for that. Um, the trust factor. Sometimes we, we don't know what the, what the outcome is, right? Uh, or or, or the, what the benefit of doing something will be until way later. The trust factor, when I was waiting in the wings, I had no, the stakes were so high. Yeah. That I had no other choice but to step out of the stage and live. And I played Blanche Dubois, I played Stanley Kowalski, I played like all Lady Torrance, I played people for my life. And at the end of the show, which happened like that, the lights come up and the last line of the show is truth always be in truth and authenticity, whatever. And uh, the light came up and I hear dead silence. Oh my God. And it was a moment, one of those big pauses and the lights in the audience began to slowly come up and everybody stood up. Wow. Everybody. And Don DeLuise, I hear him going, bravo, bravo. And, um, and then my dad and my mom were three rows back. Wow. And so I was at the edge of the stage. I took my bow and I looked at my dad, whitewashed face of gratitude and appreciation. Oh, I can hear you get choked up now. That's so beautiful. So that, <laughs> Easy. Was, that was this opening night. Yeah. That is incredible. Oh my God. What a great story that was. And that's kind of your mantra. I mean, everything that we've talked about, Everything that you go back to, it's all about being truthful and authentic and real. So that last line of the play is the mantra for your life, right? Yeah. Always be in truth. Always be in truth. And sometimes uh, that truth we get to scientifically approach because uh, what is the truth? Um, you know, test, uh, thesis, synthesis, and well, antithesis. Thesis, antithesis, and synthesis, right? Um, and then you, you're you always in the process of, of curiosity and learning and being open to whatever is possible. Um, yeah, and that, that truth is that thing that lives here. And when the truth gets covered by life, uh, parents saying you can't. Um, in your case, what you shared on our show about the, 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 the polarizing effect of the parent uh, relationship, your mom saying, marry rich, you know, and then be safe. And your dad's like, you're going to be president. <laughs> it's, it's like, those are all the social constructs that go, this is who I'm supposed to be inside the confines of this system that doesn't feel like it works for me. Right. Right. If that's coming up for you, then you go here and you go, my truth. And my truth is storytelling, big stage production, um, 
supporting, empowering other people to live in that full uh, richness of, of their, of, of what they're capable of stemming from this truth, not uh, paralyzed or leashed, leashed by those things that are holding you back. All so, men are assholes or yeah. all women are, you know, gold diggers or, or whatever, you know, you have your, your generalization. It's really unfair, not just to other people. It's just unfair to you. So true. I mean, having the wrong story can really affect your life. That's why I like the saying, change your story, change your life. Now, I know that truth is not in the head, but some people say, listen to your heart. And some people say, listen to your gut. So you keep going here. So you listen to your heart over your gut or for you is listening to your heart and your gut the same thing? I think it's, it's, uh, I think they're the same thing. I just know that I I think this is the solar plexus chakra. Yeah. Yeah. And that is, that is our, that I just feel the truth living here. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, but that's where I feel the truth. Now my passion in the sacral chakra the fire that I am burns to speak it. That's kind of how I envision it. It's, it's the passion, um, creativity, uh, you, the sacral chakra moving into your solar plexus through your voice to speak your truth. Um, yeah. So that's, that's kind of how I, and that's gut. You know? Yeah. Well, I guess you could, they both have a lot or they have as many nerve cells in the heart and the gut as the brain, as many neurons and trans transmitters. So you can listen to your heart and your gut more than your brain. I think because our brain is ego and our ego tucks us out of stuff and tucks us into stuff that are usually not healthy for us. So if well, it keeps us safe. Yeah, listen you know? to your heart or your gut, but not your head. I, one of my favorite quotes is, my head is not my homie. Like... <laughs> Yeah. My head will talk me into and out of things that are not necessarily for my highest good. Yeah. So when you visualize something, you're using your brain, you're using your mind, right? right? I think there's a thing, uh, a differentiation between brain and mind. Mind is more uh, ethereal, spiritual consciousness. And if I am wanting to visualize the possibility of the show that I want to create in a couple of years, then I am using my mind to create that imagery, but when I'm, I was in a big bear last weekend, I was driving down and I was like thinking of all this glorious experience that I could have with the show. And my brain started going, talking to me. It's going to be way too expensive. You're never going to get the grants to do it. Like, you know, all those things, it's going to be way too complicated. It's a lot of work. Who knows if it's going to, you know what I mean? And still I shift that, I take that out and I go, okay, cool. I hear you. I got you. And then I just live in that possibility, live in that possibility. Yeah. You've always been a big dreamer. I love that about you. So how did did you manifest getting a role in Spanish in this film? Tell me the story of how you manifested it. This, This is amazing. Yeah. So in 2007, I said, this was shortly after my dad passed away. And I used that experience to take a month and a half off of everything and just journaled in Austin, Texas, went home to visit my family. And I said, by 2015, I will be at the Oscars, meaning with a film. And 
I was so far away from knowing any A-list anybody at that time. Um, but I put it out there, put the vision out there, and I took committed action along the way, letting go of an attachment to any uh, of the results. Just trusting that I was going to be on my way. Uh, I moved back to New York. My one-man show got... Um, uh, it was uh, accepted into a festival, but I was really wanting to go back to New York anyway to do some off-Broadway, which I did. I did a few shows off-Broadway between 2008, 2011. And then um, I it got cold, so I moved back to Los Angeles. And we don't like being cold. Do what? I said, we don't like being cold. Uh-uh, not when we have this. Yeah, exactly. But, um, so yeah, so I, uh, booked a role on a film that I fought for. So I, I, I found the film, I, I found the, the director, I found the producer and I fought for this role. Well, the, they were able to cast the original guy that was playing the lead role. So I didn't have a part in it. Jason Gravitz, who was another one of the speakers. Mm-hmm. And, um, I auditioned for that role. They, I didn't hear from them for a couple of weeks. They called me and they said, um, uh, we're having the lead actor come back in. He's going to be able to play the role. We worked out a schedule. Um, we don't. And then one of our other roles backed out. Would you be willing to play the supporting brother role? More of the comedic relief. And I love the script. I love the director. And I said, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. 18 days straight in the desert. Shine me up. <laughs> very minimal pay, very low budget, incredible film. Well, that producer, uh, Jason Gravitz um, was connected to a production company in Colombia. And they said they were looking for somebody who could traverse the Amazon jungle <laughs> and not complain too much. Um, <laughs> and uh, they read, the, uh, they sent me the script. I read it. And I knew in that moment that my entire life was, has prepped me for this. Wow. This film. Going from Boy Scouts, getting my Eagle Scout, working in the Ozark Mountains, growing up to learning to canoe and, you know, uh, row boats and teach people how to do it. Um, all of that prepared me for um, going, going to the Amazon jungle. We were in the depths of it. And it's nine languages. I speak uh, primarily a film called, or a, a language called Witoto, which is the Wanano tribe, uh, indigenous uh, tribe language. And that's my scene partner, Katamakate, who comes from that tribe experience, tribe experience. And then Portuguese and Spanish, and then one line in English, and that line in English is, this is madness. So how did you learn all these languages with the right accent? Did you have to hire a dialect coach? Did you study it on YouTube? How did you do that? Um, well, the, the Watoto was, it's a language that you can only learn if you go there. There's no, there's no YouTube, you know, um, experience with that. My co-star was fluent in that, in that language. So we spoke a lot of it while I was there. I gradually caught how to do it, but it really was memorization. Just it was memorization. Right, right, right. Getting all of the language in my body, like a dancer, so that I didn't have to think about the move. It just came out physically. But my intention was in English. My objection was uh, objective was in English. So um, it was a lot of work. It would take me probably three or four hours to memorize just one paragraph. Oh, my God. That's incredible. And how many uh, weeks were you in the Amazon jungle shooting? Um, two months. Wow. 
I went down there two weeks of prep and then overlay the, the other actor that went down uh, before me, um, Jan Bevoot from Belgium. Um, yeah. And so I was just in the trenches. It's all I had to do. When you were shooting it, did you even, were you thinking Oscar nominated or were you just so immersed in the experience? Uh, no, I wasn't thinking Oscar nominated. Um, in fact, there was part of me that was thinking this film is never going to get seen. <laughs> <laughs> like we'll be lucky we survive it. Um, there in Ciro's films, there's always an element of in the production, there's a, there's a, there's high stakes, you know, in, right. in production with everything that he does. Um, I didn't know, but I knew because I am in journey and curiosity as much as possible um, at all times that it didn't matter what happened after this. This is one of the coolest life experiences ever. Flying to the Amazon jungle in rivers that are, we, we flew into Matu, which is border of Brazil and, and Colombia. And then flew, they, they drove me two hours further into the jungle. Incredible. That's what I love about this film. You were just in it for the joy of the journey of the challenge of learning or memorizing lines in nine languages, the physical element of being in the jungle. You weren't thinking about the results. And I think when you're trying to achieve something in life, the joy is in the journey. You know, I, I like to say that I'm in the action business and God is in the results business. So just keep doing the actions and the results are up to God. Whether one person saw the movie or whether it got Oscar nominated, that was out of your control. But learning your lines, doing all the prep work that you did was within your control and the results were Oscar nominated, but it wasn't about that for you. So this is a beautiful story that illustrates that. So... We're going to switch uh, a little bit, and I hope you don't mind that we talk about that. I know you're uh, you're recently engaged. You're, when's your wedding? We're married, but the wedding is uh, we've we've already had a little COVID wedding in our yard, um, so we're legally married now. But we're going to have the celebration September night. Yeah. So I met you through your husband Charlie. Yes. So he's a great guy. I love him so much. So what was it like growing up gay in Paris, Texas? Oh, man. Uh, confusing. <laughs> um, you know, back then there was nobody. This is, you know, 90. Uh, I was uh, a freshman in high school in 1990. Um, knowing from third, second, third, fourth grade that I was uh, you know, there was something different about me. Um, but there was no online resources for me to go, oh, there's a whole world of people out there that are creative and powerful and, and um, all of that. And it really supports my empathy toward, uh, you know, my friend PJ, who's a, a Filipino documentarian queer uh, uh, filmmaker. Uh, not only am I from Paris, small town Paris, Texas, I am also white. And I'm also, I can pass as, as straight. So, uh, but what he referenced was 
He's Filipino. There's not a lot of pioneers out there. There's not a lot of people out there that look like him or express themselves that way. Um, and he was forced to go, well, nothing out there represents me, my truth. I get to go and represent my truth, which I thought was really fascinating. And I'm empathetic to it to a, to a large degree. But it was tough Um because I think all kids call kids names and I think all kids pick on all kids, yeah. uh, which is unfortunate. Um, I don't know why that's the human behavior, <laughs> but um, for me, it hit harder because it was true. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you call me a faggot, which is awful. Um, and I was also a, a black belt in Kimba Shinru karate. At some point I was able to put, there was a person I put in a trash can. Um <laughs> That's a good but, way to keep them quiet is become a black belt and just flip them. Yeah. If it comes to that, I mean, definitely <laughs> want to be able to like, um, you know, uh, diffuse the situation. Um, and then, yeah, it was tough, but it, it, you know, that didn't happen to me. It happened for me, as we say, and it made me strong. It made me incredibly empathetic. And I am so grateful for my sexuality because what that has done is has forced me to go inside and look at my truth because I, I, I don't fit the system. In fact, I would say 98% of the world doesn't fit the system. Yeah. And the system is, is, is supporting of a, of a one kind of uh, uh, power grab. And yeah. if we are listening to our truth and forced to listen to our truth, then we get to create that image of ourselves out there. I, I don't fit into the system either. You know, the system is get married, have kids by the time you're 25, you know, life life is all about the kids and the sports and then it's the grandkids and, and then it's retirement. And and that's what having the American dream is, you know, that's the mainstream society. I didn't fit into that either. And I, I felt rejected. So that's, that's my next question. I mean, it was, it's really interesting because I didn't want that life at all, Mm -hmm. but in a way, you know, you go to a party, you're back, you know, for high school reunion. It's like, well, how many kids do you have? None. (laughs) Now people don't care. Honestly, like it's so amazing how things have shifted in the last few years. Now people never ask me if I'm married and if I have kids, like, they don't. I don't know if it's because I'm carrying myself differently. Like I'm more yeah. confident. They wouldn't ask me. People don't really ask that to guys. Are you married? Do you have kids? They ask that. They used to ask that to women, but I, I really think that it's changing. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to talk about rejection because I'm sure you felt it uh, with your acting. Because being a working actor means you're, you know getting auditions, not necessarily booking. And that's why I titled on Facebook, the name of this live is how rejection is the fuel for success. So can you talk about how rejection has actually helped you become the man that you are today? Yeah. um, You know, uh, rejection has been feedback. You know, it's like, okay, so I, I, I didn't either get this role or I didn't get hired as a director on this project or whatever. Um, let me look at that and go, how can I better um, prepare myself? Or how can I uh, cr- understand that while I might be rejected in this, if I have a clear vision of what I want, then that rejection over here is just an, an obstacle. Liquefy yourself around it because on the other side is the thing that's going to present itself. 
And that is what's going to propel you. Um, really quick, what comes to mind is a play that I uh, auditioned for at the Fountain Theater. It's called Milk Train Doesn't Stop Here Anymore. I knew this role backwards and forwards. I'm an expert on Tennessee Williams for the most part. And uh, this role came up and I thought they didn't respond to my uh, actor call, my manager call, my agent call. They didn't respond to any of that. Found out when they were doing the auditions and uh, I went to the auditions. It wasn't a crash. It was just I went to the auditions and uh, the lady was sitting out front. And uh, I said, look, I've, I've sent you hard copies. I've submitted online. I've done all this. She goes, well, you probably weren't right if they were, weren't looking for, um, they would have called you in. I said, cool. Do you mind if I just go in? They have a kitchen on the top floor. Do you mind if I just go in and just write them a letter, handwritten letter really quick? Sure, sure, sure. Go, go, go do that. So I went into the kitchen, wrote down, I'm here. Um, I'm not sure why you haven't called me in for this role, uh, but I would love to be a, a part of it. I'm on my way home. I just hand it to her, respectfully hand it to her. She gives it to the producers. Um, and then I'm on my way home. They give me a call. It, they 30 minutes later, we want to see you tomorrow night. Cool. All said and done, four auditions later of this for the same role. And there's even more magic woven into that, but I'll get to the end. Is finally on Tuesday, the following week, she said, we still don't know it's between you and another guy. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll keep you posted. You'll know by tomorrow. Wednesday comes around. This is, I'm number one and two of never being considered. Right. You know? Incredible. And so, uh, then I go into, or they call me the next day and they, they regret that they aren't offering me the role. Um, and this other guy got it. And that Friday was the Friday that I booked Rest Up 2. Mm. I made more money doing that film than I ever made. Well, I did a Saturn commercial I made a lot of money on but a long time ago. But more money as an actor. On that. Oh, Rejection was one thing, but it was preparing me. Did I cut out? Oh, no. I uh, Yeah, you froze for a second. So just go back to right. where you said I made more money on that role than on anything I've ever done except for the Saturn commercial. Well, up until that point, I made more money on that role than uh, – and it was, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. That's awesome. Um, and the experience that I gained from that was what would propel me into other film roles and film parts. Um, but it was the journey of that audition process. It was the journey. It was me going, I know my truth here. And um, going in and being able to audition in a way that was my final audition for them. I brought in a mobile. I, cre I had no money. So I brought in a coat hanger because my character built mobiles. Mobiles, I don't know how to say it. Yeah, mobile. And mobile. And, uh, and I brought that in to the audition and they said, wow, it's really great to see an actor coming to the table. Because I already had the roll down. I wanted to know what it felt like for my hands to work with construction that way. 
where do you get this drive and tenacity that they're not even calling you in? You show up, you write a handwritten note. Like, was that from your childhood? Are you modeling a parent or a teacher or a coach? Like, where are you getting this boldness and this tenacity to go after what you want with such vigor? It's imagination. Um, you know, we didn't have a lot of money growing up and uh, it was feast or famine. But I, I hardly traveled. I got to go to New York when I was in high school with the choir. Um, but I would sit and write in my journal of magical far off places and I would take myself there um, and, and create that. And it felt so real to me while I was doing that, that I knew that I would be able to create that. And, you know, it felt like I was traveling. It felt like I was, um, my parents were always, let me fall on my ass and then I'm going to pick you up. Yes, go do it. My mom ran all over Paris, Texas, soccer practice, baseball practice, karate, boy scouts, you know, choir. What's he doing now? It's like, you know, all of this stuff because, you know, I major ADD. (laughs) (laughs) She had to keep me active. Yeah. My mom said the same thing because I was so intense. She's like, I just have to wear that little girl out for her to behave. Otherwise, I was like too rebellious. Too mu- it was too much for her to like tame an alpha girl. So she's like, I know, I'm just going to keep her busy and wear her out. So that's exactly, that was her best parenting advice. Yeah. But I love that. But rejection, if we look at the experience that we're in. Yeah. And it's similar to the plays. I never say performance. You know, I, sometimes I say that because the audience receives the concept of performance. I say experience. Yes. You're always experiencing something. Every night the performance is different. Every time, every scene, every take, it's going to be different. Elements of it are going to be different. Um, and life is the same way. Live it as an experience in the moment. Um, my challenge uh with rejection is of course feelings and acknowledging of disappointment um and that's cool but to to blame them like they don't understand me right or they're just this person or they're just it doesn't serve so where am i responsible cool maybe i could learn this about being my essence when i walk into a room right maybe maybe I can strengthen my confidence or um, let go of judgments or assessments of how they perceive me, right? Um, And then you're responsible. I love that because I think fear of rejection is putting too much weight on what other people think of us. Instead of just going after what you want, so many people don't because they fear what other people are going to think of them. What if I don't achieve it? What if I don't succeed? What if they don't like me? What if they think I'm stupid? And these people aren't paying your bills. So mm-hmm. what do you have to lose? You know, just go for it. When you show up with your truth, what you can give, your generosity, your gift, and just lay it there. Uh, in a casting office, you can't get inside the head of the casting director going, what do they want? Because a lot of times they don't even know what they want. Right. You know, and you show up with your gift and present it. Here's my generosity. 
I, I expect nothing in return, but right now I get to perform for you. I get to have an experience in this room with you and I'm loving it. Great. And then, you know, you don't get the role, but that casting director is going to remember you, but you can't figure out what other people want. And it's a little different in, in coaching, I think, and you can support me in this, but uh, you can't come to the table going, what do they want? Let me change myself to fit that specifically right. with acting specifically with relationships, right? I cannot change. I come to the table with my truth. And that's all you can do. Yeah. That's really all you can do. Yeah. So I am really excited. We're going to talk about your free gift in a minute. You were recently the host of a super successful summit, which I was so honored to be a part of called unleash the creative beast within you interviewed how many speakers? 21, 22, 21 in the series, but 22 total. Yeah. What was the thread of truth that all the speakers said in their own way? Oh, good. Good, good, good. Uh, trust self. You are unique. Um, your story uh, is there for you as opposed to against you. And you come to the table with that that story you come to the table with your experience and that's what makes you unique um some really great things that i learned um about the human behavior uh, about uh perception and judgment um yeah and and being able to boldly step in and say this is what i want live courageously and boldly to to begin creating that and look for places in your life that that is being answered serendipity you can call it chance you can call it i love that because the universe definitely gives you signs if you're open to them so what did you learn what how did the summit change you as a person and a host or what was your biggest takeaway that will change your life going forward out of that summit? Um, you know, I learned listening, really listening. And I loved being on the other side of, you know, the interviews are usually asking me all these questions, you know? Um, and I love being able to go in with that curiosity as I do a character, right? I go in with, open curiosity about a character. Um, so that, that, um, some other things were a lot more validating, you know what I mean? Like, like things that I know, but the, this is 21 people that are incredible powerhouse creatives in the entertainment industry and across the board speakers, such as yourself and, and, and powerful mentors such as yourself, all of them have something in common. And that is, yeah, I, I've, I've overcome so many obstacles. Um, I've gone through this. I've had to acknowledge myself in the process. And when I acknowledge myself and where I'm responsible in the process, then I'm unstoppable. Beautiful. So powerful. Every single one of them said something to that, that effect. Um, I observed how essence, the way of being, you know, Michael Leon Woolley is one of the speakers just exudes joy. He's joyful. Well, those are the roles he gets, you know, um, 
and AJ and the Queen, the RuPaul show, and then he plays the the crocodile and Prince and the Frog. Um, so he just exudes joy. His essence is that. Um, and so people's essence is reflective in their creative process too. That is so beautiful. Well, speaking of the summit, I know you're going to offer some special gift to the Balanced Beautiful Abundant listeners. So tell us about that. Okay. So I just had them create this because, um, so let me go and make sure that I say this right. Actually, I'll put it in the comments. Um, this is really awesome because, uh, you know, it's here to serve, right? It, we're, we are here to serve and, and, and create the big picture vision for the world of what we want to see. Mine in particular is, um, global unity. That's what I really want you to, to see. Um, so let me copy and then I'm just going to put this. I don't know if I can put it in the chat. And you can just send it to me later. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So basically if you go to unleash your creative or unleash the beast show, um, unleash the beast show, uh, go to the all access pass, enter promo code beast 21 and you get the 21 interviews with Rebecca and myself, really awesome interview. Uh, we get uh, uh, Oscar-nominated directors, producers, documentarians, all these uh, amazing people that are out there um, showing and exhibiting that you can too. Um, and then a workbook. So there's a workbook that I created for the thing. So it's a 15-chapter workbook that you can go from interview to interview to, uh, to work through. Um, and that's all inside the summit and the option of my free video course, acting character development, six week video course, all that's for free for you guys. Just go to the unleash the beast show and uh, get all access pass beast 21. Wow. I love it. We love deals and promo codes and you guys 21 interviews, his uh, video acting course, and the workbook. Wow, that is so generous. Thank you so much for that, Brion. So how can our listeners stay in touch with you? Where can they find you? You can contact me through multiple social media platforms. Instagram, Brion Davis. Twitter, Brion Davis. Um, Facebook, Brion Davis, actor, director, mentor. Yeah. That way. Oh, and you can join. You can ask to join our private Facebook group, Unleash the Creative Beast. You're a member of it, Rebecca. And uh, yeah, it's just a really intimate uh, group of creative people um, that I really want to expand um, that generosity and service to in the world. Well, thank you so much, Brion, for being on the Balance Beautiful Abundant Show. I really appreciate your time and your fire and your passion and your truth and all the beautiful things you stand for in the world. Now, if you're listening to this, screenshot it, share it on Instagram, tag me and Brion. I will reshare. If you're listening to the Facebook Live, tag a friend, share it on their wall. And if you're listening on Apple iTunes, please give us a five-star review 
and subscribe. We love our listeners. This is a grassroots movement. We don't have big sponsors. It's all person to person, giving someone a tap on the shoulder and a little whisper in their ear and a high five going, dude, you need to hear this interview. This will rock your world. So I really appreciate your support, everyone. Thanks for listening to another amazing episode of the Balanced Beautiful Abundance Show. And we'll see you very soon with another amazing guest. Thank you so much, Brian Davis. You're so welcome. Thank you. Who says you can't have it all? I'm proof that you can. You just have to put your life into balance. Too much of anything, money, fitness, socializing, can overtake your life. When all seven aspects of your life work in harmony, you will achieve the balanced, beautiful, and abundant life you've always dreamed of. Please subscribe to hear more inspiring interviews. Is there someone you know who could benefit from this podcast? Please share this podcast with them. Please review this podcast. Your feedback will help me target your needs and plan for upcoming shows that answer your questions and feature guest speakers that can make a big difference in your life. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Rebecca E. Whitman. Feel free to DM me to book a free balance assessment call. And don't forget, stay balanced, beautiful, and abundant. Oh, my God.